Hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start something new today. We finished Focus, and I hope that you guys gained some focus during that, all right? Hope you're able to gain some, some great uh, nuggets that God's Word gives us when it comes to our generosity, giving, tithing, so on and so forth. But today we're going to talk about covenant, all right? Some things are me- aren't, aren't, aren't meant to be broken, right? Some things are simply just not meant to be broken, all right? So let me, let me put it to you this way. Understand this. Relationships, here's what they are. They are powerful. Did you know that? Relationships are powerful. They have either the power to make your life great or the power to destroy your life. That's with your relationship with God and that also falls into place with your relationship with people, all right? Now, what we need to do and what we're going to do, this, this morning is going to be like a foundational moment, all right? In other words, we're going, to, we're going to set some foundation for what the next upcoming messages are really going to focus on. What I want us to do is apply is that every relationship that we have, that's your work relationships, your friendship relationships, your spouse relationships, those relationships that you think are uh, in, important. We're going to take a look at them. But most importantly, what I want you to understand is as we are speaking about these different types of relationships, they all really correlate or, or, or are themed around what your relationship with Jesus Christ is or should be all about. Amen. So we're going to talk on the topic of covenant. And covenant is a type of relationship that God is wanting to promote within our lives. If we would redefine relationships with God's terms, we would have different results. Let me, let me repeat that. That's not in your bulletin, I don't think. You might want to write that one down because I think it's an awesome statement. But is this, if we would redefine our relationships under God's terms, right, we would have different results. And the reason that we don't have the right results is simply because we have our relationships defined by what our society and culture and world dictate them on how they should be or what they should include. Man, y'all are hard this morning. Like somebody, somebody, I, I, we got to break the ice here, okay? Somebody uh, was, uh, you know, I was talking with, you know how I like to mingle? I like to mingle around everybody, you know, and, 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 and get the feel of how everybody's doing. And, man, it's just been like one of them Sundays that I'm going, hey, come on now. We got to get alive. And uh, I ended up catching myself. I went up to somebody. I went, man, I'm already tired. It's only the morning. You know, wake up. Wake up. All right, wake up. I got some stories in here. You know, we might have some funny moments. I don't know. We'll see. All right. But listen to this. If we would adopt God's values, and that's in anything, and that's in everything, these things would work out within our lives, these relationships. Understanding this, that every relationship that you have impacts your relationship with God. Think about that. Every relationship that you have impacts your relationship with God. How do I know that? Well, if you have an argument with your spouse before you come in here on a Sunday morning, your overall experience in the beginning is not going to be exactly the greatest. Let's just be honest. Why? Because you done set a tone of negativity, right? 
You know, you, you're within in your workplace and you're around people who are constantly negative and pulling everything down. Well, guess what? That's going to affect your relationship with God because here you go. You're going to be like, I just don't, you know what, Lord? I just don't feel like having that time of devotion today. I just don't feel like getting, you know, in time of prayer today. So every relationship that you have really has a, a defining moment and, and impacts your relationship with God. So to say that I feel this way about a certain person or group, but have totally different feelings about God, well, that's not consistent with what the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures teach us. In fact, when Jesus was asked this, he said, you know, can you please, it was brought before him, please tell us of all these laws, tell me which is the greatest. Jesus responded by saying, well, I can't give you one, but he goes, I can give you two. The first one is what? Love the Lord with all your, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's your entire makeup, right? But then he goes on to say this, but also love your neighbor. Look at the person beside you. God says, you got to love them. But love your neighbor as yourself, all right? In other words, Jesus was saying, if you love me, you got to love them. If you love them, then you got to love me. It's kind of like it's a horizontal, right? Impacts the vertical. Are you following me here? And the vertical impacts the horizontal. Some of you, you know, later on, you might understand what I'm talking about on that. All right. So everything is impacted within our relationship with God. Now, if you are wanting your relationships like what your marriage, friendships, work, you want these things to work. You must, you must get closer with the Lord. I've, it's funny. It's not funny. It's actually kind of sad. But I get a lot of people come to me and, and, and they're going through some marital issues. You know, first thing I tell them all, I'm not a counselor. You cannot hold me responsible for anything. All right. If it, don't, it ain't my fault, it's your fault, not my fault. But, but you know, they come to me and, and, and they, they've got some uh, discrepancies. They got some struggles. And, and one of my first things is, well, how's your relationship with God? Because if your relationship with God is going well, then it affects every other relationship that you have within life. Let me help you out. If your relationship with God is where it needs to be, it's going to affect every other relationship with you, that you have within life. But if your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, guess what? It's going to affect every other relationship that you have within life. So if you want your God relationship to work, we must get closer to people. So we're going to take a look at some verses on this journey. And uh, again, like I said, setting up some foundational moments here. But let's jump right in scripture. Let's look in Malachi this morning. Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. Now, what I want you to understand here is when I talk about and opening up this sermon series, I'm going to hit marriage. Okay, I'm going to hit that right off the bat. The reason I'm doing that is for most of us in this room, that is the closest relationship that you have within your life. And God gives us a great pattern through our relationship within marriage and how we need to have a relationship with him. So everything that I'm talking about today, even though I'm going to hit that topic on marriage pretty heavy, understand that. 
It's also revolving around your relationships with work, friendships, acquaintances, and more importantly, with God. So it all applies. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 16 says, You flood the Lord's altars with tears. In other words, you're crying for help, right? You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your. In other words, what you're, you're asking questions. God, where did you go? I'm going to church. I'm giving. I'm tithing. I'm serving. But Lord, where are you? Have you ever been there? Like you've gone through a moment and you're like, God, where are you? I'm not feeling your presence right here. Okay. He says, you weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on you, on your offerings or accepts them with pleasures from your hands. You ask, why is it because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth? You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. There's the word that we're going to look at very strongly. He is, has not the one God made you. He goes on to say this, what you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly what? Offspring. So in other words, God is saying, is, is saying the reason I need you to get right is because other people around you are going to be impacted by your relationship with me. He goes on to say, so be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord, the God Israel does violence to the one he should protect. You know, God gives us a clear directive of our relationships that we need to protect them. We see that right here. Says the Lord Almighty, so he goes on to say, so be on your guard and do not what? Be unfaithful. See, the problem though is that this, we have relationships with lines drawn in the sand. Like this can work, but it doesn't work if you cross this line. When our relationships are in crisis, that is not the time for us to bail on them. But rather, that is the time when we are to what? As the word of God says, to protect and not do violence against it. We can't protect that relationship if we first don't understand or simply know what the meaning of covenant really is. Watch this. There was a pastor, and it wasn't me, but there was a pastor, and he was doing some counseling with a couple. Things weren't going good. He'd been seeing them for some time, and um, everything just keep, kept pointing into the direction where the inevitable was probably going to take place, and, and he was getting very discouraged. The husband continued to become upset with the wife. The wife was, you know, very defensive toward the husband, and as the, the sessions continued to go on, the, the, the husband kind of turned directions with his conversation and began to talk about his brother. Everybody know, once you talk about your brother, you know something else is going to change, right? And he ended up going and, and talking about all the stress that his brother was adding to the, to the family and that, you know, he was always having to send him money and, and seemed to always need to, to, to bail him out of jail. And so the pastor stopped for a moment and said, why is it that you are treating your brother with more faithfulness than you are your own wife? The husband stopped for a moment and replied this, well, blood is thicker than water. 
The pastor responded in this manner. If you considered your wife as a blood relationship instead of a disposable one based on personal convenience, maybe things would be just a little bit different. Does that hit anybody right there a little bit? The basic definition for the word covenant within the Hebrew means to cut to the point to where there is blood. In fact, the old Jewish tradition, here's what they would do at a wedding, which I'm glad that we don't do this anymore because it would definitely wreak havoc in the sanctuary. But what they would do is the bride and the groom would come before the, the, the high priest at that time and he would take them and he would take a knife and he would go to the groom instead of saying, you know, the vows, the you, the you, instead of a charge and all this stuff, he would go to the groom and he would cut his hand and cause blood. So then he would go to the, to the bride and do the same and cut her hand. And so what happened there? Well, then the blood was flowing. So then he took the two hands and he joined them together. Now, uh, I found it funny as I read about this uh, a couple weeks ago, because, you know, whenever I do a marriage, it's funny. They all come down and, you know, we've, you know the, 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 the father of the bride or whoever is, is representing that in that moment says, you know, what we give, you know, you know the the lingo, right? The language it says we give, you know, the bride, uh, uh, you know, to the groom or whatever. And they always come up and they're ready to hold hands when we practice. I say, no, 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 no. You can't hold hands yet because there's something that we have to do first. And we go through the charge and, and we go through. But right before the vows, what I do is then I make them hold their hands. Well, when I read this, I'm like, good thing that we're not doing this like this today because there would be blood just all over the front here and it would be a pain. But what he would do was he would take the two hands, he would join them, and then he would wrap a cord around them. And the reason being was while that ceremony was taking place, it, is so, it was said that that blood would then what? Begin to mingle together, creating a bond that should not ever be broken. We within our lives need to get back to the God's definition of relationships if we are wanting to see our relationship with God to grow. Let me ask this question. Don't answer out loud. But who in here wants your relationship with God to grow? Well, let me help you out. You need to work on those outside relationships as well. The Bible clearly tells us it's, like, it's that vertical with the horizontal, the horizontal with the vertical. When we're doing these things as we're supposed to be doing them, we should no, look no further than the example of Jesus when he said this. I will what? Never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That is a great statement that Jesus said. In other words, you know, whatever you go through in life, whatever season you may be in, you might feel like I'm not around, but I'm there. I've not left you. You might have a horrible attitude, but I'm, not, but I'm there. I've not left you. You may not feel like serving me, but that's okay. Why? Because I'm still there. Why? Because I have a love that is absolutely unconditional. Aren't you glad that Jesus has a covenant relationship with you and not defined by man's terms? Think about it this way. Have you ever given reason for Jesus to ditch you? I probably did a hundred times this week. And guess what? He never did it. Covenant says this, I'm going to protect you instead of doing violence to you so that when someone messes up, that's not the time to bail, but that's the time to rally together as a team. 
So let's define covenant. You can look there within your notes. Covenant is this. It's a solemn agreement between two parties for the purposes of creating and maintaining a what? I'm sorry. I need a little bit more crowd participation than that. A what? A successful relationship. Now let me help you out with this statement. I believe the reason why many relationships are not successful is simply because they never came to God's standard within the relationship. They're simply just not covenant. How do I know that? Well, let's think about it this way. It is said that 50% of all marriages fail. If you're about to be married, that's not exactly the most encouraging fact for me to throw out at you. All right? Or if you're newly married, or even if you are married, you know? But 50% of all relationships, of all marriages, it is said, fail. And so if we are, as individuals, and especially as the body of Christ, coming before and presenting ourselves in a manner, in a ceremony, and, and going through the charges, and going through the vows, and doing this and that, and we treat that ceremony and that covenant, supposed to be a covenant, as as close as we possibly can within our relationship with God, but yet still breaking it, how much more is your friendships being broken? How much less do we care about them? How much less of an effort are we putting into them? God is not looking to restrict our lives. God is looking for your life to become better. You will benefit the most when you take the relationships that God has given you and you're doing it God's way. Let's take a look. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. And it says this. In the same way, and we just did this, right? In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. What Jesus was doing here, he's saying this way. In a few moments, in a few hours, I'm ready to take this relationship that I want with you to a different level, and I'm going to prove it through what? My body. I want that blood covenant with you. You see, covenant says that I'm willing to be unhappy while we are working on it. Commitment says this, I'm not what? I'm not going anywhere. Now, I've, I saw this quote this week, and, and I want to give this to you right quick. I thought it was great. Commitment is an important word because you don't need commitment if it's going good. Commitment comes into play when things aren't going so well. Can I repeat that to you? Commitment is an important word because you don't need commitment if it's going good. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I don't need commitment. Why? Because commitment requires some work. So if things are going good, it's like, well, we're good. You know, the emotions are great. It's easy. But commitment comes into play when things aren't going so well. Listen, covenant people are committed people. They're going even as far as putting the person or persons ahead of themselves, ahead of what they're fighting about. Watch this. Andrew and I, we get into arguments. I'm always right, but I stop and put her ahead. I had to throw something in there, man. It's one of them deep messages, right? Convenient people will split the relationship over issues, or maybe it's better understood this way. Watch this. 
a contract is based on mutual distrust. Did I, did I skip the first one? My apologies. I, forgive me on that. Number one is this. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. In other words, we live in a generation that wants an out. Everybody's looking for an out. Watch, well, how do I know? That's why we have contracts. If you don't live up to this and you do this and you mess me over, I'm going to simply what? Get you back for it. And we have treated marriage just as a contract rather than a covenant. That got quiet. Covenant says I'm willing to be unhappy while we work it out. Covenant people are what? Committed people. Covenant people will split the relationships over issues, or maybe it's better understood this way. Here we go. Number two, the contract is based on mutual distrust. In other words, I'm not committed to you. I'm watching you. You ever like had a close relationship with somebody and, and you're from a distance and you're like, I'm watching, I'm waiting, I'm looking, I'm observing. Like my, my, my son, you know, he'll be sitting over here during worship. And uh, this little group right here, they like to talk a little bit. All right, there's, a little, 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 there's about three or four guys and they just love, they love each other. They have got a great relationship, but they also like to talk a little bit, you know. And the, last Sunday I looked over and my son looked at me and I went, I'm watching and I'm waiting because when church is over, you're mine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, the attitude that God wants us to have is actually the opposite. Let's take a look in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. It says this. Since we are all one body in Christ, here we go. What is it? We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. We belong to each other and each of us, we need one another. I love the early church in the book of Acts. You guys got to be tired of hearing about that. But they are the great example of what we are to be today as a church. They were so concerned about the needs of one another that the Bible says they would get freely give all that they had and, 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 and just to meet the needs of one another. And then they would go into the temple together, rejoicing, excited, worshiping God for what he was doing, what has happened. All right, here we go. Next one. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibilities. The greatest relationships are when there are two servants in love, but the most destructive is when there are two masters. We are to be what? Serving one another. You know, here, here a great example. Last night, a couple months ago, I bought this Dutch oven. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what that is, right? A cast iron Dutch oven, right? I love going on YouTube, and I like watching this guy called Cowboy Kent Rollins. Like, he does these cast iron meals. They're fabulous, right? My wife sees it. She's like, what are we doing now, you know? And uh, so, so I, I, I saw this, you know, Dutch oven, and I was like, I got to have that, you know? We don't have one of them. And, and, and so in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to cook out of this thing one day. And I just don't know exactly what I'm going to cook yet, but I'm going to cook something. So the other day I was on my YouTube channels. You know, I like to go on YouTube too. And uh, taking a look at, there's this lady called the Pioneer Woman. Everybody know her, right? Man, she can cook. And she's, got, she's like, and here's how we do this. Here's how we do this. It puts you in a trance. You know, you're like, uh. you walk away going, I need that for dinner. 
And so she was doing this pot roast. And I thought to myself, Saturday, I'm doing a pot roast. So Saturday morning, you know, I get up and, and I, I go out throughout my routine and I go to the store and I get the, 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 the beef for it and I get the broth, you know, and I get the carrots, the onions. Some of you are like, Pastor, stop. We're hungry right now. And I'm doing all this and I'm, I'm like proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and so I got everything at the house. And then we go to the basketball game. I see my in-laws and I said, you know what? You're coming to dinner tonight. I'm cooking Usually she cooks. I'm cooking. So here I am. I'm preparing. You know, I've got it cooking for like five hours, man. The house is smelling great. And my wife comes back from a birthday party with Caden, and she comes in, and she goes, you know what would be good tonight after dinner? And I was like, what? She's like, ice cream. <laughs> Boom. She did it. I got out in my truck. Off the island creamery I go, I get two big old tubs of chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. Jesus. So that's the most Lord you all felt all day right then, Jesus. And I come home and I was like, yes, you know, and I was so excited about it. And the dinner, you know what? It was the best pot roast I've ever had. The best ice cream in that moment I ever had. And you know what? My wife didn't have to hardly do anything except they cleaned the dishes afterwards. So it was great. But God tells us, he gives us some explicit instructions that we are to serve one another, not necessarily be served. Jesus Christ was that ultimate example by serving us. What did he serve himself? Freely giving up for you and I. You see, contracts protect rights, and it does this. It shirks responsibility. It's basically this. I'm only in as far as you're in. In other words, I'm keeping some records. I'm watching everything you're doing. There's a story about this grandmother, and she was asked how she had 50 years of successful marriage. She said this, I made a list of all his faults before we got married, and I decided ahead of time, that I would forgive him for what he was going to do later. She went on to say that every time he did something wrong, lucky for him, it was one of those things. <laughs> the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says love keeps what? No records of wrong. No records of wrong. Let me help you out. If you're one of them individuals that's constantly bringing up the past within your argument, within your spouse, you're going to get nowhere. You're spinning wheels and there's never going to be any traction. The Bible clearly tells us to do something very important here. Love keeps no record of wrong. You're within your friendships and all you're doing is you're, we're a friend until you do me wrong again. The problem is that word again, because that means you're just what? Referring back over and over again of what may have happened. God says, love is keeping what? No record of wrong. Stupid statement, but in question, but don't you think it's time that we actually take God's word for what it says and actually do just that? See, this even goes as far as our relationship with God. Why? God's done no wrong. You're right, but you have. And we allow ourselves to be defined by our past rather than being defined who Jesus said you are. 
How can I get closer to God? Look what I've done in my past. Look, look how I've ruined relationships prior to now. Look at all. God has forgiven these things. It's, let's move on from that. I had someone this week send me a message about a friendship. And they apologized for something that had taken place. My response, and I'm not doing this to toot my own horn because I didn't even realize until after I said it. My response said, that's over. That's done. It's time to move on. Some of you within your life, you're beating yourself up. You're having a difficulty getting closer to God. Why? Because you keep bringing up your own past. Let me help you out. It's over. It's done. Learn from it, but move on. God has a great and a bright future for you. It's time to allow him to do what he wants to do in your life. Number three, or the, not number three, it's actually further down, but the next one is this. Covenant has the interest of the other in mind. In other words, what are we doing within covenant? We're placing others before ourselves. We're taking the needs of others ahead of our own. How about, how do we do this? How about within prayer time? Remember, we just did a whole sermon series uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago with regard to prayer. And, and, and I have to remind myself of this quite often, and that is simply, Kevin, shut up about your own needs. Let's start talking about other people's needs. God, why don't you move in their life? God, I need you to move. I want you to move in their life. God, here's what they're going through, Father. And, and you know, you have, if you have those close personal uh, inner circle of influence relationships, you know what's going on. Some of the greatest things that you can do is eliminate your own issues, your own needs, your own wants, definitely your own desires, and say, God, here, I'm presenting theirs to you today. I'm offering before you theirs. It's not always about who? Us. We need to get away from that selfishness and get more into that what? Selflessness. Next thing is this. Lastly, is contract has personal convenience in mind. In other words, I'm going to do what I want my way. Well, we need to assume responsibility. We need to assume responsibility and have the other interest of the persons. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the what? interests of others. My goal in this message this morning is not to point out places that you are having frustrations. See, we have a dilemma. The dilemma is this. I can't do this, what you're talking about. I can't do that. You're correct. You can't do this. You can't take on the interests of others. You can't have that covenant relationship. You can't make those necessary steps on your own, but you can through Christ. This is the spiritual part. When you receive covenant love from a covenant God, a miracle takes place in your life. You're not educated, but now you're changed. The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is what? A new creature. New. We're new. And we have an opportunity every day for that newness 
to kick back in within our lives. Lord, forgive me. Father, I repent before you. Forgive me my sin, Lord. Make me a new creation in your eyes. Lord, I want to be holy as your Bible says, your word says that I need to be. I need to be holy. Simply meaning, Lord, I need to be different. I need to be different from culture. I need to be different from this world. I need to be different from this society. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. I want you to stand with me this morning. We can say this, Lord, you know, I, I used to not be able to love, but now I can love because you love me in return. Because you love me first. Because you gave up for me. You know, this message that we're talking about here with covenant, we're going to get deeper in, into some other things as we go throughout this series. But we need to get to the spot where our relationships, our marriage, our work relationships, our friendships, that they're important. It's kind of like people just ball them up and throw them away when they're done with them and go on to the next one. Come on. I try my best to do this within my own life. Even if I get upset with somebody, I go, but God still loves them just like he loves me. Let me, let me throw that out there. But God still loves them just like he loves you. You're not the only important one. They are too. In God's eyes, they're very valuable, just like you're very valuable. So we need to stop taking our relationships and acting as if they're indispensable, that we can just get rid of them whenever we feel like it and move on to another one. God says, no, no, no. Look, I've placed people in your life one, maybe so they can help you, but number two, so you can help them. I've placed some people within your life so you can share the love of me to them. We saw that clearly with the early church in Acts. God's love clearly being dispensed upon everyone within the community. This only works if we're a Christ follower, though. Within your life, you can only share that type of love if you're a Christ follower. There all comes a moment where we are to go, you know what, Lord, it's not about me. But Father, it's about you. Jesus, I recognize what you've done. You died on that cross for my sins. And all humanity, I wish, I wish to goodness all humanity would come to the spot where they go, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. But you know what? You might be here today and you've not done that. God is opening a window of opportunity for you in your life. I'm going to ask everybody about every eye closed for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I do this very simple, very easy. But I want to ask this question this morning. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is and you've never experienced a love like I've talked about, because he doesn't do this through contract. He doesn't do this through convenience. He does this because he wants to. He does this because there's a covenant. He shed his blood for you. And so maybe you're here today and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. You've not made that commitment. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that 
he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Book of John says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come unto the Father except what? 